Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today we're going to be talking about 1981's Friday the 13th Part 2. This was a... This is largely considered to be a favorite amongst Friday the 13th fans, but Travis, like our uh, description of our show suggests, this is not one you particularly like. That's right, Jim. Um, <laughs> Don't steal my jokes. Don't steal my thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had to watch this movie like four times to make it all the way through because I kept falling asleep. I think that's being generous. It might have been five or six times. I've, I've seen this movie a lot. Um, I just slept through it, most of it. Almost every time. You don't know how aggravating it is as a co-host to this show, sitting and feverishly taking notes, watching all kinds of documentaries and YouTube reviews, only to see your spouse catching flies a few feet away from you. It's like, God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I really struggled to stay interested in this one. I, I know maybe it's a lot of people's favorite, but I guess I just sort of prefer the... Later Jasons, the supernatural, like, zombie Jasons, the batshit stuff. I'm going to hold you to that. Like, if we get to, like, part six, which is another universally loved entry, and I catch you sleeping, I'm going to be like, so that's it. That's it. You're you're a phony. You're a great big phony. (laughs) Which one is uh, part six? Jason lives. Which one is that? Is that that the heart full of cocktail fruit? Is that that one? That's Jason Goes Tell. No, that's uh, the end of the Tommy Jarvis saga. Okay. I guess we'll find out when I get there. I have no idea which one you're talking about. You do. You do and you do and you do. (laughs) Well, contrary to what you just said, on IMDb, this movie's only rated a 6 out of 10, and it's 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, well, there's no accounting for taste. That's that's a lot of people that don't share your I'm, opinion. I'm just saying. I'm just saying if you if you ask people in the horror community which ones are favorites, it's usually part six, part four, but people give a lot of love to part two. Just oh, saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna dispute that. So yeah, I, I wanted to get really aggravated at first because I'm like, I don't understand why he doesn't like this movie. What is wrong with this movie? You know, and it finally just dawned on me. I'm like, right, you're the one who likes horror movies. He's the one that doesn't. That's the basis of your entire show. Like, why are you, why are you fighting this? Yeah, I was, I was kind of confused about why you were confused that I didn't stick with it more. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a confusing time around here, period. Like, see, you, you, what it is, (laughs) is you thought that you had me converted. You thought you'd won, but you were wrong. You'd lied to yourself. Perhaps. (laughs) At any rate, this movie was directed by Steve Miner, uh, and I guess he wor- he'd worked on the first one, mm-hmm. right? Uh, written by Ron Kurz and Victor Miller, and of course based on some characters by Sean S. Cunningham. Should we really credit John Carpenter for this movie? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's just a ripoff. Actually, it's not even really a ripoff of Halloween at this point. It's a ripoff I was going to say, of... I, I believe that's the yeah. previous entry you're referring to. Well, but I mean, the entire Friday the 13th franchise is a knockoff of Halloween, but... Yeah. And then there would be others that would be knockoffs of Friday the 13th and so on. Yeah. And they don't get better. It's a circle of life. But this actually is, they borrowed, looks like pretty heavily from the town that dreaded sundown. And a Bay of Blood, a.k.a. Twitch of the Death Nerve. Yeah. But specifically, Baghead Jason, 
that's almost exactly the costume from Town at Dreaded Sundown of right. the what the Phantom Killer, I think is what he was called. Mm-hmm. Of course, based had, on a true story, but we also have the rare case where our Jason was played by three different people. Well, yes. Unfortunately, one of them didn't receive the credit they deserved. Agreed. So I'll just start with, we'll just go through the whole cast here. So Amy Steele, one of your favorite final girls, plays Jenny. Of course. John Fury is Paul. Adrian King came back as Alice, but now that was interesting because apparently they gave her no script when she came back. And she didn't know that she was going to die. No, she she pretty much did everything on the fly. So I was pretty impressed with the ad lib of that phone conversation that she has with her mother in the beginning. But well, in the performance that she put behind it, because you she conveyed it very well that she had been in isolation and just like basically having PTSD after the events that had happened to her. Not that she didn't do a good a good job. They but I guess they had tried to get her to come back, but her agent wanted too much money or something, so they just brought her back for the first what is it, ten minutes of the movie? Fifteen. The, the cold open, is yeah. that what you call it? Which again, this this type of opening was later copied by was it Silent Night, Deadly Night Two? Where they basically rehashed the whole first movie. Oh, I think and that's uh, the opening to the movie. I think there's a lot of horror films that have done that. So But she also had a problem with the stalker during this too. She did, it's, yeah. Yeah, if you if you ever if you've ever heard her story entailing what she went through with a crazy fan, it's it's pretty freaky and she really didn't do much else after that just because of that incident. I think that she has warmed up over time going to cons and whatnot and the fans have helped her move past that, but still it's involving like a gun and shit. Like it's it's pretty crazy. This movie also stars Kirsten Baker. She plays Terry. You're pretty fond of Terry. <laughs> Stuart Charno plays Ted. Uh, Warrington Gillette is actually credited, and for a long time I think he was the only one credited as Jason in this movie. But the bulk of Jason that you see on screen was actually played by the stuntman Steve Dash. Or Steve Daskowitz. You're yeah. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's it's such a shitty story. But we also have him played by a third person. The first time we ever see Jason is played by Ellen Lutter, the costume designer. So it's pretty cool. Only one we get where Jason's portrayed by three different people. Yeah, and the only one where um, Jason's portrayed by a female actress. Yeah. So. Yeah, pretty cool. It's awesome. Even even Michael Myers can't claim that one. <laughs> Actually, yes, he can, because uh, what's her name's hands were in Halloween. Oh, first one. right, 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 so, right, right. Anyway, uh, Marta Cobra plays Sandra. Tom McBride plays Mark. Bill Randolph plays Jeff. Lauren Marie Taylor plays Vicky. Russell Todd plays Scott the Creeper. That's not how he's credited. He just is a creeper in this movie. <laughs> Betsy Palmer is credited, but she it's a very really, quick cameo. she's really not in it much. Yeah, they it's just brought just a cameo. her back to shoot some cutscenes, and then that was it for her. Uh, Cliff Cundy, Cudney, Cudney, yeah, plays Max. Jack Marks is the cop. That's how he's credited. The cop, and of course, Walt Gorney plays Crazy Ralph. So there's actually a lot of extra counselors credited in this, but you don't ever you don't ever interact with those characters. No, we only we only have like a handful of effective characters throughout this. Film. Right, and that's one of the. Would you call it a criticism of this movie? Is that it's like the only Friday the 13th where everyone doesn't die? Because there's literally like six or seven people that were at the camp that just get away. Got lucky. (laughs) Right. Um, And I think, what is it, Paul is probably the one that's the most controversial that people are like, what happened to Paul? Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a whole shitload of people that survived this movie, which is bizarre for a Friday the 13th movie. So basic premise here. 
Five years after the events of Friday the 13th, son of Pamela Voorhees, thought to have drowned in Camp Crystal Lake in 1957, slaughters a new group of would-be camp counselors in order to avenge his mother's death. That's that's pretty much the gist of it. That's the whole movie. <laughs> I that's, mean, that's that was that movie. was my basic assessment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just you so we're we're done now, I guess. <laughs> like that's that's it. So, honey, why don't you go on into about I know you said it's not your favorite. But what do you like about this film? If I had to pick one thing that I would say I liked about the movie, I think I'm going to say I like the characters. And that's just based on some of the other slasher movies that we've watched. I think these characters were less offensive than most. Um, you had you had some archetypes in there. Ted, I think it was Ted. You know, he's the tall, red-headed guy that just tells jokes. Yeah, can I just um, say that one of the greatest disappointments I have with Stu Charno was that at no point in the entirety of this film was he standing over making soup with a rat on his shoulder guiding him throughout the process. He does kind of look like the guy <laughs> from Ratatouille. It really does. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the characters were pretty good. They seemed, they, they were a lot more, maybe realistic is what I'm thinking. None of them were just outright unlikable, um, except for the creeper. Like he, he was kind of, yeah, but he wasn't, he was not nearly as bad as the guy in, uh, the burning. He wasn't, he wasn't like hiding in the shower or anything. He was just being kind of skeezy, but yeah, I think I liked the characters. That would be the thing that I would pick out. Cause I'm, I'm a big fan of, I like the hockey mask Jace. I'm not a huge fan of baghead Jace. How about you? I feel like there's definitely a lot more to like about this film. This is actually the first Friday the 13th I ever saw. Like, I have vivid, very vivid memory of sitting with my sister and maybe not remembering the movie in its entirety, but I definitely remember sitting and seeing that scene where Jason crashes through the window at the end and being absolutely fucking traumatized. But as far as sequels go, they did exactly what you're supposed to do in a good sequel. They took everything that was great about the original and they built upon it. Like we did have characters that we could get behind, we could root for, or we could hate either way. But there was stuff for them to do where you weren't just sitting and being bored. Or or at least that's how I feel. Like, like for instance, Ginny is probably my favorite final girl of the entire Friday the 13th series. And I'll get into what I like about her later. But while there weren't as many kills or memorable kills in this film, the kills that they do give are pretty damn good. This was the first one that was affected by the MPAA, so there are things that are cut out or lessened, so that hurts it a little bit, but the kills that they do leave in there are pretty fucking good. This is really, and and I may be alone here, but this is really the last one I remember being really scary. You know what I mean? Like, I guess some people could say that part three still had some of those elements, even part four. But for me, this was the last really scary one that there was because they did a lot with suspense in this one, I felt like, as opposed to the one that came before and the ones that came later. Like, not that not that those aren't without their suspenseful moments. I just, this one makes me the most tense, I guess. Yeah, I, I think probably the... I don't know. I've watched enough of these with you now that maybe I'm a little bit jaded to some of that stuff. But I will say that uh, the scene where uh, 
Amy Steele her, is in the bathroom and she's like trying to hold the door shut because mm-hmm. she thinks that he's going to come through the door and she's going to go out the window. It's like she's trying to reach from the doorknob to the window and she can't. So she kind of lets go and heads to the window in the bathroom. And then all of a sudden he's at the window. Yeah, that made me jump a little bit. And I'm also thinking about the scene where Paul and Jenny get back from the bar and the house is completely empty. And then the power's out. And that scene where she can see that somebody is slinking around in there. Like that idea is fucking creepy. Because all you've seen at this point is that there's some bloody beds. Everything's been left on. Kind of like the opening of Scream where the parents get back to the house and there's the popcorn burning and they're like oh my god what's going on kind of the same thing but just the idea and and I guess that's why horror movies affect me so well is because I always take myself and put the put myself in the position of others like would this be scary to me and I absolutely find that scene terrifying yeah that I don't know if it was terrifying or not I thought it was a little funny when she kept going Paul somebody's in here Paul, there's somebody in here. Well, he's like, I don't know what the fuck he was doing, like digging around in the corner. Was he like digging mm-hmm. in his backpack? I, I don't know what he was doing. But yeah, I mean, there's there's sort of the element of the unknown. As far as putting yourself in it, I probably would have still been hanging with Ted at the bar. I would have totally survived <laughs> this one. I would have been like, fuck, you guys go back to the camp. I'm staying here with him. We're going to build a beer bottle pyramid. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, to that to that end where they don't, show everything well they were going to show everything but the mpaa screwed them up like the double impalement that i guess that was where, where did you say that came from bavos uh twitch of the death nerve or a bay of blood yeah the same movie right yes just released under two different names yes they cut that one heavily i guess and they said uh, was it crystal lake memories we were watching no unless you were there when they filmed it no one has seen that like that got cut and is gone completely that scene and then uh kirsten baker terry the booty shorts girl she you never see her die. No. You don't ever see her body either. No, she just runs up to the camera and screams. Yeah, you don't ever see her body, so we don't You know, do see her body later. We? Yeah, uh, when Jenny comes across the shrine, Terry's body's laying That's right. over. She's, she's in the, the body pile around mm-hmm. the severed head. Yeah, you don't even know what happened to her. So, I mean, I guess there's some of that. What you don't see makes it scarier, but I, I don't know. I think maybe you've turned me into kind of a gore hound because there wasn't anything here that shocked me. Uh, now, the sadness, when we watched it, holy shit. That was... It's okay to stop talking about the sadness now. Okay, you're making me sad. (laughs) Do you have the sadness? I'm starting to. (laughs) Starting to have a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I would agree that to, for, to an extent, I think that the tension was higher in this one definitely than it is in any of the ones that come after. Because mm-hmm. the ones that come after, Jason's just sort of in your face the whole time. And I don't necessarily <laughs> I have don't a problem with that. I don't necessarily but. agree with that on the grounds of part three. He's still like that to large sense that he because he hides out in a barn for most of part three. I just, I don't know, that one, maybe it's because I have more annoyances in part three. Isn't, so, isn't it not even Jason in part three? No, you're thinking about part five. Oh, okay. Yeah, part three is is very much Jason. This, that's the introduction of the hockey mask. Oh, okay. But maybe it's because I have more annoyances with part three that I don't find it as scary because oh, I'm too busy being annoyed with people. Part three is Shelly. Yes. <laughs> God damn, now we got to do that one next. Yes. Oh, fuck. Anyway, so moving on um, about the things that we like, we were talking about the characters as being what we do like about this film. So why don't we talk about them a little bit? I absolutely, like I said, absolutely fucking adore Amy Seal as Ginny. I very much liked her character in April Fool's Day also that we covered a while back. 
she, to me, is everything a final girl is supposed to be. She's spunky. She's resourceful. She's tough. She, But at the same time, she's also empathetic and vulnerable. One minute, she's cutting wood with the chainsaw or she's hassling the guys. She can joke around with the best of them. And then the next, she's really terrified and trying to think about who Jason would be as a person. No, she was drunk. Paul said it. She was drunk. Okay, Paul. <laughs> but I don't know. You just, you kind of knew right out of the gate when she showed up who we were going to be dealing with. And I actually didn't care for Paul, if I'm being honest. Paul was kind of a dick. Because when she showed up, he was getting on to her about being late. And she tried explaining to him why. And he he just acted like he didn't give a shit. And then once that was over, then it was pretty much all about, well, hey, you're here now. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, she shot holes in all of his arguments. Yeah. She's like, well, my car broke down. Like, well, you could call. Your phone doesn't work, which is funny. Clearly, he knew his fucking phone didn't work because he had scribbled out the phone number on all of his signs with the little pull tags and wrote a different number underneath. The phone's not on yet. I so, don't know. Yeah, he was just being an asshole. But um, as far as comic relief, Ted was, eh. He's okay. He has a couple of moments. He's not the most annoying comic relief character we've had in this series. Eh, I'll allow it, <laughs> I guess. He was just a lot more subtle. It wasn't that in-your-face, look at me, I'm the funny guy. Yeah, exactly. Kind of shit. I mean, he just, you know, he throw out some commentary here and there when people were having stuff. And from what I understand, when they were filming it, they would just put him on the spot and be like, hey, uh, so in this scene, tell a joke. And he was like, what? Yeah, yeah, in this scene, uh, you just, just tell a joke. And then they would roll. And he's like, oh, shit. And that's how you get a joke about a bear wiping its ass with a rabbit. <laughs> yeah, I just, with their, like you just said, there have been way more in-your-face comic relief characters where it's like, oh, shut up. And with, with him, I didn't, I never got annoyed. I would get a giggle out of his stuff. So that's what good comic relief does. Yeah, the problem I have with a lot of the comic relief people, it's like they're, they're trying too hard to fill that stereotype. And you just, they just, they're annoying. And you just want them to go away. You don't have to have Wade Wilson and everything. No. Don't don't hit me, please. I'm not. I just, you know, Ryan Reynolds would have been great in this movie, but (laughs) he was a child (laughs) when this came out. So, but I don't know. I. I'm I'm good with comedy in these in these movies as long as it's not that like in your face you have to laugh at this over the top shit. Ted kind of came across more as a guy that you could you could hang out with, just kind of a normal dude. Everyone else, I mean, I hate to say it, is kind of broken off into couples almost. Yeah, and I think most of them were okay. Mark and Vicky, they were a little bit cringy. Not maybe I don't know. I don't want to say cringy necessarily, but like she was clearly into him. She was the sexual aggressor. And he wasn't interested at all, which... It, he didn't in, come in, across as interested. Yeah. And in real life, um, the actor that, that played Mark was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. They just... You could tell he wasn't interested. There wasn't the chemistry between that actor and that actress on screen mm-hmm. like there was with uh, the other two, Sandra and... Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, with those two. And I'm, I'm sure you've got some input on them. You could, you could tell that they, they felt like a couple. Sandra and Jeff did. But... Mm-hmm. Mark and Vicky, I don't know, like she was selling, but he wasn't buying. Well, for the longest time, I didn't know that the actor was gay. And I always felt it strange that she seemed to be really into him. And he just wasn't, he seemed like kind of interested, but not really. She, it seemed like she was coming on a little bit strong. And so knowing that now, I don't know if that just maybe came across or read through. Because obviously this isn't the first time we've had a gay uh, actor in the Friday the 13th series. We also deal with that lack of chemistry in part seven. Um, 
But yeah, but I mean, I've, I've softened up t- to them over the years. I feel like looking back on it now, she's really adorable and she obviously really likes him and wants to be helpful. And yeah, she, she is. And, but I didn't, I didn't know about him until we'd watched Crystal Lake Memories when it came up. So the time that I had seen it prior to that, I was just like, wow, he just really is not into her at all. But it's, it is kind of cute how she just keeps going back. Mm-hmm. She even tries playing one of those shitty handheld video games. <laughs> Do you remember those? Yes, I do. Oh, My brothers so had those. No, and Sandra and Jeff, like, let's be honest. Like, if we're if we were in our twenties and we're going to camp and we're a couple, what are we gonna be doing? We're, we're gonna be smashing. Like, that's what we're gonna do if we're not doing camp counselor type stuff. You know what's interesting about this movie that I feel like sets it apart from a lot of the other slashers is that even in that relationship, Sandra was sort of the the aggressor. She's the one that wanted to bone all the time. Right. I just so, wish she hadn't been played by an underage actress. That's yeah, she, that's a little cringe. She was, uh, what, 17? Yeah. And he was 20-something. I thought I had heard that the actress that plays Vicky was also 17 years old. I don't, I don't know specifically about that one. That one's not said as much. But I know for sure that they had said the actress portraying Sandra was 17. So it's kind of, ooh. Yeah, no. Um, I looked up their birthdays. It just to see because I had heard that too, and I think Vicky would have been like eighteen or nineteen. Okay, but yeah, Sandra, the actress that played Sandra, she was a solid seventeen when they did this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how the actor that played uh, Jeff did that. Felt like, okay, so think about it. Like you're you're a mid twenties guy, and they're like, all right, so you're gonna do this scene, and you're gonna have sex with this girl. Oh, and by the way, she's uh, she's seventeen. I'd be like, wait, um, excuse me, what? What well, did you just say? I get again uh, I'm, as we. I'm just... not comfortable. <laughs> With this, <laughs> as we've stated in the last couple of episodes, the '80s were wild, and I don't think they thought about no, they that that much then. No, they didn't. They probably didn't care at all. But now it would be no. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm picturing our son doing an intimate scene with like a 25 year old actress, and just going, "No, I think he'll pass on that scene today." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the crazy thing too is that this being the '80s, that means that the parents probably signed off on this too. Possibly. Yeah. We don't know how that worked. I mean. We have actors that lie about their age all the time. That's true. I mean, we had Mila Kunis, who I believe was 13 years old when she auditioned for Jackie and told everybody that she was 17 or 18 years old. So, I mean, it's it's known to happen. And then we also have Terry. Is it Terry? (laughs) Now I'm losing track of names. Yes. Terry and Mark. No, not Mark. Scott. Scott. Oh. Creeper Scott. Yeah, Creeper Scott. And they're not not a couple, but... Oh, but he wants to be. (laughs) It's been known from Jump that Scott desperately wants to get in her pants. And I mean, for good reason. She's she's probably the hottest girl in the entire Friday the 13th series. It's... I don't know. I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be that person again this week because I'm sure everybody in the last couple of weeks has been like, oh my God, shut up, woke Wendy. We get it. Okay, like well, I'm going to stop. Let's just was, say Scott was gross. Yeah, well, he was just following around all over the place and being a creeper. Because it's probably not <laughs> as commonly portrayed throughout the series that girls just go out in the middle of the night and skinny dip, but... If they want a skinny dip, let them go fucking skinny dip without taking their clothes away. It's all I'm saying. Hey, if I looked like her, I'd walk around naked all the time. (laughs) She should have just left him hanging from that thing and not bothered to cut him down because he was being a dick to her even then. He was. And if he was trying, okay, if he was trying to, you know, 
get in her pants. Why steal her clothes? Why didn't he just strip off and jump in there with her? I don't know that that would have done any good either. She didn't act like she was into okay, him or, from the beginning. Or he could act like he's 12 and take her clothes and run away. Well, what I'm saying is he could be a gentleman and try to get to know her first and be a friend to her instead of being a skis from the start. Okay, we're talking about a Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, hey, not, that's not how the world works in I'm the land just of Friday saying, the 13th. Mark wasn't behaving that way, and Jeff wasn't behaving that way, Paul wasn't behaving that way, but I guess you gotta have at least one, right? Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have one of those guys, I guess. <laughs> in every one of these movies, every slasher, I guess, has got one just about. Yeah, but he got a good kill, so I'm happy with that. So, do we want to talk about kills now? Sure, let's go. So, my favorite kill is when Franklin gets a machete to the face and rolls down the hill. Staircase. Franklin? Wrong movie. That's Chainsaw. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? Let's be honest, kind of the same thing, though. I mean, I, it, Mark didn't have to die. I was ready for Franklin to die, so... I think everybody was ready for Franklin. I think there was probably like a, uh, I don't know, a GoFundMe to kill him, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, Mark was Mark wasn't a bad dude. So his I, kill felt so wrong. It just it kind of did, but like I don't know. I mean, that's probably my favorite one. That's the, it is. It's the only <laughs> one I haven't seen one like that in any no, other movie. No, it's it's definitely inventive, and that's what makes it hard because you don't want to see it happen to Mark because he seems like he's a good kid and he's easygoing, gets along with everybody. He's being sweet to Vicky and entertaining her whims. And what does he get for it? But a machete right. in the face. I know. And then to add insult to injury, he falls all the way down the stairs. The staircase that never existed up until that point. <laughs> like, you don't ever see anyone going up or down that staircase, but it's clearly right there next to the cabin. Yeah. No, I don't. Just, <sighs> so no. the mystery stairs. He goes down the mystery stairs. <laughs> But I don't know, I just don't feel like the rest of them were as impactful. I mean, obviously the double impaling that Jeff and Sandra get, they cut it. The MPAA had them chop that out so you don't see it. You don't see Kirsten die. Kirsten, well, that's not her name. That's her real name. What's Terry. her actual name? Terry. You don't see Terry die. Um, who else? That's about it. I mean, when he cuts uh, Scott the Creeper's throat, he does it with the back side of the machete. Well, <laughs> he does it with the dull side. So. We lose arguably the best character in the franchise because Crazy Ralph gets, a, what do you call it, a grot? Yeah, I'm just trying to block that out. He got <laughs> garroted with barbed wire. And yeah. They had no reason to kill Crazy Ralph at all. No, especially because they replaced him with a shittier version in part three. I don't know how you replace that character. I mean, he, that actor, he, he was crazy, Ralph. Yeah, if he just... I mean, he might not have really been crazy in real life, but that was, I don't know. If, I, I really like Crazy Ralph. If he just continued to be the staple throughout the franchise, just Crazy Ralph riding along his bicycle, his wife doesn't know where he is, I would have been. Yeah. I'd no. been like the Loomis of the Friday the 13th series. When he's rolling around like, you're all doomed. They wouldn't listen to me. They didn't believe me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's I great. I mean, you got to have one of those in every slasher, and he was perfect for Friday the 13th. I don't know. That he was... did come, the actor did come back to do the narration, I believe, in part seven. So that was nice, but it would just, yeah. He, I would say when I think of the Friday the 13th series, he's almost always the first person I quote. Yeah. He's the second person that people think of after Jason. So, yeah. But, very but, popular character. But you're right. There's really no kills. I mean, unless you want to count Muffin, do we, do we really know that Muffin died? Well, no, because Muffin comes back at the end. Do, does she, though? 
That's was it the ghost, thing. Was that ghost muffin? That's the thing. We don't know because of how ambiguous the ending is and Paul just disappearing. If whether or not everything from the point of Ginny killing Jason to Jason jumping through the window, if that's all a dream. So that's they kind of leave it like... Uh... Kind of like they did the first one, which in the first one. I used one, to read Word Up magazine. No. Yeah. <laughs> which even in the first one, I forget who it was that they were doing an interview with. And he was like, when they came out to do a second one, he was like, how are you going to do a second one? Betsy Palmer's dead and there is no Jason. He, he died. Yeah. If, and if, Tom Savini, when they came, wanted him to do the makeup effects, he was like, makeup effects for who? Jason's fucking dead. Yeah. If you look, all the filmmakers, the actors, and Tom Savini were all like, this is stupid. Right. Why are you doing this? Why are you making a sequel? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it does make sense for them to end the second movie in a similar fashion to the first one, simply to kind of keep that ambiguity going on. But to me, Muffin lives. That's printed on a t-shirt. Muffin lives. <laughs> Muffin was cute. I don't like anything bad to happen to doggies in movies. It just makes me no. sad. But there is that one scene there where it really looks like Jason killed an eight Muffin. <laughs> so Eight? Well. I mean, huh. Probably. Just mutilated, but. It looked like he'd been attacked by an animal. I mean, that wasn't the whole dog laying there. Parts of that dog were missing. I bet don't, Jason's a dog don't eater. Don't say that. I bet he did. Don't. Don't say that. It's bad enough that Michael Myers did it. Yeah. So what about inconsistencies in this movie? Was there anything that you saw in this movie and you were like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Not really, I don't guess. I I do see what you're saying, though, where I feel like this is the point where the inconsistencies in the series begin and kind of goes from from now on as far especially in terms of timelines and characters coming in and out like, yeah. So I had several. So the okay. first one is in the very beginning after, um, oh shit, the girl from the first movie. Alice. After she gets off the phone with her mom and the phone rings, she picks it up and there's nobody there. Clearly that's Jason. How did he get her phone number? How did he call her? More than that, where is she? How does he know is how to use like, a phone? How does he know how to use a phone if he's been living in the woods? How did he get to her house? Why did he leave Crystal Lake? He never leave, He doesn't leave Crystal Lake unless he's going to Canada, ever. How does he know the finer parts of plumbing that he can have a toilet out in a shack? Did he drive? Only Michael can drive. So how... <laughs> Maybe someone around there gave him lessons. Did I mean, did he just like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to hitchhike. I'm cool. I got a bag on my head and one eye hole. You should totally give me a ride to wherever the fuck she is. I don't... That doesn't make sense at all. And why did he bring his mom's head and stick it in the refrigerator? <laughs> because clearly he thought they would complement the bagels and the milk in the fridge. I think he was like, oh, this is getting a little rank. It's kind of warm outside. I better put this head in the fridge before it goes over. <laughs> that just, it didn't make sense. So yeah, how did Jason know how to build a house? How did he in- install a toilet? It did like, did he dig the water line? There was water in the toilet. I mean, it was nasty water. Clearly he doesn't know how to flush, but I, it just doesn't make sense. Like, why? I think why? that was Tom Savini's bitch. Because remember, we were watching an interview where he was like, has he been doing living off crayfish for 35 years? Yeah, I know, right? And then, all right, so the scene when he really, when it really gets going and the storm is, is you know, it's, it's raining outside like a lot. Did he have an umbrella? Because when he comes in the house, other than his shoes, he's fucking dry. It was falling a damn flood outside and he's dry. I think mostly everybody was. I mean, up, up to a point because you do get where Ginny and Paul are obviously soaked from running outside. But yeah, you're right. right. I didn't see anybody carrying an umbrella. No one got wet except for those other two. Yeah. How did that happen? I don't I don't know. I bet he's got a Hello Kitty umbrella stash somewhere too. I don't know. Why does anybody wear brown panties before they're going to smash? <laughs> God, you <laughs> got of- me. That's like the biggest <laughs> mystery in this whole fucking movie. 
Like she's already wearing black drawers and she pulls out these brown silky panties. She's like, mm, brown is sexy. <laughs> no. She's wearing her brown pants. Yes. Oh, you just <laughs> quoted Deadpool. Oh, well, you I know. got you. <laughs> I got you. But yeah, like, I don't know. Brown's just not a sexy color. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just, I had to ask because I, I was wondering why you and so many other reviewers that I've listened to are like, hey, brown panties. I'm like, what the fuck? Who cares? You're going to get laid. What does it matter what color panties she's wearing? What in, in the? You're the, just going to take them off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you just like, yes. I don't, I don't know how to respond to that. Yes. <laughs> yes. They are going to come off, and I don't know why the color matters, but it's like, even when you're buying, I'd be like, mmm, brown. Like, is it so you don't have to wash them? I, <laughs> I don't. I don't understand brown. Like, why would you even sell underwear in brown? I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I'm a fan of nude colors, so it, I, I get it, I guess. But I don't know. Maybe it was a popular color going around in 8081. In 1981? Maybe. I don't know. I, uh, I wasn't even born yet, so. <laughs> I was, but I was one. <laughs> so I didn't, probably wasn't even wearing underwear at that point. <laughs> Just run around naked. Um, <sighs> try not to visualize that too much. <laughs> anyway, um, what else we got? You're still thinking about brown underwear. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So we got favorite characters. We've tackled inconsistencies. Yeah. Deaths. What we thought about the various couples and their smashing or lack of smashing. <laughs> so more of the things that I do like is uh, I appreciated the cinematography in this one. This was the first one that I felt they tried to do anything creative um, as far as shots go. Like a couple that jump out for me are the scene where Vicky goes to find Sandra and Jeff and goes into the room where they were supposed to be and acts like she's going to pull back the sheets and it's just Jason sits straight up and his face is right there filling up the frame. It, I love that shot. I think it's great. And then seconds later where he's about to kill her and we just see that that close-up of his hand with the bruised fingernail just holding the knife and slowly heading toward her i think those those are great shots so the the thing that's that stuck out to me about that the scene where she's walking in and finds him in bed isn't necessarily him popping up it's the shot when the camera's facing her and you get the very warm color of the lit room in the background and then it's like a blue filter or something over her so it looks very cold i don't know i just i like that that contrast between like she's leaving safety the safety of the the warm well-lit room behind her mm-hmm. and going into a colder darker place i don't know is that weird no but- i I also really, really like the shot where it's it's right before we get the muffin fake out, but we've got Paul readying to open the door, and we've got Ginny sitting back at the ready with the pitchfork with her mascara run and just looking rough all together. She just gives him that nod like, I'm ready. I love the the shot of her face. Like, it's I, I thought that was pretty great, too. So, yeah, overall, I felt like they tried to do more with this one. Um, maybe it goes on to improve more even later. I don't necessarily remember that but i this was the first one that stood out to me of having some really cool shots yeah yeah they definitely moved the uh moved the camera better i think in this one than they did in the first one nothing against sean cunningham i just i I guess you don't move the camera a lot when you're filming porn so maybe that wasn't a thing (laughs) 
<laughs> but but no, I, it, it was definitely better. It was definitely an upgrade. So. Yeah. Nothing that needed improving on, I guess, would have been Harry Manfredini's score, because for all intents and purposes, it's exactly the same. Okay, I'm, I'm going to... Are we going to talk about this eight more times, the score? Because it's, it's him every time for the next <laughs> ten movies. Side note right quick. <laughs> I'm going to apologize to our listeners because you could honestly make a drinking game out of how many times I say certain phrases or words throughout our series. So new game goes as follows. Take a shot every time I say the word egregious because for some reason I can't keep from saying that. I have made it a point not to this time or every time I go mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm or every time I say for all intents and purposes. So I want you guys to start calling me out of my shit like all right Ashley you better stop it's getting old so <laughs> or take a shot until you die e- either way. <laughs> I don't think you should encourage that. <laughs> there will be no one to listen to the podcast. All four of our listeners. They'll, they'll die like in the first 20 minutes <laughs> of alcohol poisoning. I can't, like, well, I don't even know why you would encourage that sort of behavior. So Travis never said anything to me about it before, but when I took took the helm in editing, I noticed it. And I just thought, oh my God, and if it's Travis's, does that make any sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm really trying hard not to say that. <laughs> I don't think I've done it in this one. And I haven't said the dreaded E word in this one either. And you haven't said the dreaded I word. Which is the I word. I'm not going to say it. Oh, oh. <laughs> iconic. <laughs> oh, you're not right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, but yes, Harry, uh, Harry Manfredini, he did the, did the score. So. Yeah. And they, they carry the same damn score through the whole series. So. There are slight variations throughout. I mean, well, obviously. That wasn't a complaint. It's good. Just stick with it. It works. Yeah. Obviously, in part three, we get disco theme and we get. The only one that maybe kind of stands out is that they tried something different in the beginning credits in part seven, where it was much more serious. Dun, 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 But other than that, I got nothing. It's just the standard kind of, that psycho score that he does throughout. Speaking of which, okay, so when he's coming at her with the, the big knife, he was holding it in his left hand, right? Pretty sure. I don't know. In Psycho, wasn't... Weren't they holding it in their right hand? And in Halloween, when you see little Michael going to stab his wife in, or his, not his wife. God damn. I, I started that statement and then I heard wham and it threw me off completely. And when, he, when he goes up to stab his sister, <laughs> he's holding it in his right hand, right? Uh-huh. So is Jason the only left-handed serial killer or slasher? I think that depending on what Jason there is and who he's portrayed by, it could go either way. I think okay. you've thought about now this. Now I'm going to have to pay attention. Way too hard. <laughs> now I need to know. Because I was thinking about it, and I'm pretty sure in Psycho, they're holding the knife in the right hand. I'm pretty sure that Michael's holding the knife in his right Brown hand. Brown panties. And it really bugs the shit out of me that he was holding the butcher knife in his left hand. I got nothing against left-handed people. It just, I don't know. He's out for the left-handed people. Watch it, lefties. Yeah. <laughs> no, it just it sounds like something's wrong with this shot. And don't wear brown panties while you're Why left-handed. Is kni- Why is the knife on the wrong side of the screen? This is fucked up. <laughs> he was probably wearing brown panties while he was doing it. <laughs> okay, we gotta stop. Stop talking about brown panties now. You brought it up. For the record, you brought it up again. I also wanted to say that this, I wouldn't say this is necessarily the big extravaganza for practical effects or gore either. Um, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with the practical effects. I feel like Carl Fullerton did a great job. It just didn't stand out in the same way that the work of Tom Savini did. Well, they clearly weren't setting out to showcase 
effects in this movie. You know, like a lot of like especially the later Friday the thirteenth, the the makeup effects and stuff, that's front and center. That's really what people kinda showed up to see after that was creative kills. But in this one they were leaning more into the suspense, I think, and, and trying to build tension as opposed to, hey, here's a big bucket of blood on screen. So yeah, I, I agree. The practical effects were good. The the machete face when Franklin rolls down the hill, not Franklin. What's his name? <laughs> Fuck Mark. Because I keep thinking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> See, all um, I keep thinking is, hey, it's Franklin. <laughs> that works too. So just go with that one. I'm pretty sure he rolled down a hill in an episode too. Um, that that effect was really good. When he killed Ralph, it was good. There's nothing really to poke holes in with any of the practical effects in yeah, this movie. Yeah, they just none of them just really. They stand just out. didn't. There was nothing to write home about. They didn't in other showcase words. any of that work. Yeah. And it's funny because originally Stan Winston was supposed to have that job, but he ended up having scheduling conflict. So it makes me wonder, had we gotten Stan Winston on this, what would that have looked like? What did he do instead of this movie? I wonder what he was filming at the time. We may have to look that up at some point. Don't you dare put me on the spot. Don't you dare. Do your damn research. <laughs> Miss, I take tons of notes. <laughs> But no, I, I, you know, I don't know that having him in it would have changed it a whole lot. I mean, Carl, Carl Fuller, Fullerton, mm-hmm. he did a good job. I just think that overall that was not the focus of this film. And the MPAA really knocked the shit out of him in this movie anyway. So even if you had him or Tom Savini or somebody on there really put a lot of work into it, probably wouldn't have made the final cut anyway. Very true. Okay, so I know that this is one of the... You, you like this movie. Yeah. Is there anything in here you didn't care for? Um, I don't really have a lot of bitches, I guess. Um, There were characters that I found kind of annoying. Um, Maybe controversial a little bit, but I didn't care for the character of Sandra much. Um, It has nothing to do with her relationship with Jeff or anything like that. Like I said, we'd be doing the same shit. I, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just be me being nitpicky, but her whole thing of just being so... So desperate to fucking go to Camp Crystal Lake, the site of where all these kids just got murdered. And I feel like for the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, it's basically everybody telling her, stay away from there. Don't go over there. And she's just making this huge fucking deal about it to the point where Jeff has told her a couple times, I really don't want to go over there. I'm not comfortable with going over there. And she starts calling him a chicken shit. And I just don't get it. So I wonder if you would feel the same way if the roles had been reversed. If it was Jeff like, come on, let's go check it out. Let's go. Because in these movies, you typically expect the guy to be the one pushing that agenda. Right. The Timmy. I like, I, I get it. But it We're was gonna just. going to need another Timmy. <laughs> it was just the way she was coming across. I didn't like that she called him a chicken shit. Okay. Well, that no, that but, irritated the shit out of me. But I'm saying that like if it had been, you know, a couple of guys doing it and one of the guys was like, come on, chicken shit. We're going to go check this out. Do you have a problem with it because of what she said or because it was a role reversal? I'm just curious. It has nothing to do with role reversal at all. Okay. I'm, I'm Seriously, though, typically it's the guy that does that. Yeah. No. And if it had been two guys talking to each other like that, then yes, it probably would have hit different, admittedly. But it's it's always a thing, ah, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Okay, I really don't. You should totally do it. But you and I, you know, everybody's got to have boundaries in the relationship. And one of mine and yours is being that we don't cuss at each other. This is true. We don't call each other names. That just feels like a respect thing to me. And so whenever somebody calls their boyfriend, husband, partner, girlfriend, whatever, a name, it just gets under my skin. Well, I think we both agree. If you love somebody, you don't talk to them like that. Yes. That's just how it is. So, yeah, that that just annoyed me. And that was it. And 
I get it. I get wanting to do something where you have a little bit of adventure and you want to, I mean, cause, cause I have those tendencies where I'm like, oh, come on. Cause like you and I went to an abandoned hotel after hours once. I was just thinking about that. And me and my brother-in-law are standing there looking at the window that was broken out that goes into the basement that we did not break out. I want to point that out. We did not do that. It was already open and we were discussing like, well, trespassing is only a misdemeanor. (laughs) (laughs) We should go. But we didn't have flashlights, so we didn't go. It yeah. was god-awful dark down there. Yeah, so I, I get that. I get have, wanting to have that, you know, we can it's tell adventure. Every, we, we can tell everybody when we get back or whatever. Like, like, yeah. like Frodo, we're going on an adventure. Or is that Bilbo? That's Bilbo, honey. Yeah, fuck, I don't know Lord Slap of the Rings you. either. <laughs> See, that's what I mean right there. <laughs> Wouldn't really slap you. And you might. <laughs> shoot you in the butt with a slingshot. Right. <laughs> But no, I don't know. That was just a thing where I was like, oh, don't, don't do that. Don't be that person. If he's uncomfortable, don't make him go. That, that was all. And then the, the cop, didn't you say he's credited as just the cop? He's called the cop. <laughs> I wanted to think, and it, I, I may be thinking about the wrong Friday the 13th, where they ended up making a novelization, where they ended up giving one of the cops a name. No, they gave him a name. Yeah, yeah. they novelized this one and gave Yes, him okay. I, th- I thought it was this one. I wasn't yeah. sure. But I can't remember what that is. It's like Winslow. Oh, Winslow. That's right, isn't it? I think it? That, that sounds right. Yeah. He, w- he was a dick to the kids. I mean, I, I get that he's trying to protect this area and, and maybe he's doing it for their own good so that nobody gets killed. I, I, I get just not wanting to draw attention. But the point where Paul's like, okay, guys, like, we'll talk about this later. And then he's just so offended. Like, what did he, what was he waiting for Paul to do? Like, slap him around the room? Like, give him a spanking? I think, I think he was really wanting him to, like, dress him down right there. Like, just really rip ass. Yeah. But, I mean, he kind of did. They don't get seconds on dessert. I think that was sarcasm. That's punishment. <laughs> That's cruel and unusual is what that is. Paul's a sadist. But I agree with that. The cop was kind of, eh, it was a little much. And just the fact that he's driving along, he sees somebody with a bag on their head run across his road, and he's like, I'm going to chase him. Fuck you are. No, you're no, you're I mean, not. He seemed like he took his job really, really he seriously. Really did, but- <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about your brother, and if he saw that while he was out, he would be like, "I ain't fucking run off in the woods after them." I don't know. I don't know. Bo can get he can get pretty serious when he wants to, but I've never seen that part. You've never <laughs> you've never done a ride along with my brother. No, I haven't. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that most normal people would be like, "Nope, fuck it," and they ain't chasing them off in there. I don't know. I'm just saying I I could understand where a cop would be like, uh, that looks pretty sus. Maybe I better go figure out what's going on. Again, trespassing's just a misdemeanor. Let it go. <laughs> just let it go. So what about you? Was there anything you didn't like? I don't like brown panties and left-handed killers. <laughs> you know, that would be like great. We should make a show called that. <laughs> Brown panties and left-handed slashers. That could be like a great subtitle for this episode. Friday the Friday the 14th part. I can't talk now. Let's see what you've done. Should you call it Friday the 14th? <laughs> I think you did a little bit. Friday the 13th. I mean, it ties in with the brown panties. Part two, colon, <laughs> brown panties and left-handed serial hey, killers. you handle all the social media shit, so I'll just let you do what you do. Um, no, that honestly, that didn't, didn't really bother me. It was an odd choice on both counts, but, um. Like spraying perfume on her no-no parts? Yeah, why is she spraying perfume on her hoo-ha? He wasn't going down there anyway. I don't. Hey, you don't know. You don't know what, you don't know what they're, blah, 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 blah. You don't know what they do in the dark. Oh, no, but she leaned in and kissed him and the look on his face after, he was just like, nah, that ain't happening. <laughs> I just don't. I don't think so. Um, 
I had a problem with the inconsistencies that we already talked about. I didn't really care for the cop. I feel like he was a little much. Uh, the whole relationship thing between those two, uh, Jeff and Sandra, I didn't care, I guess. You can't piggyback off of my stuff. Well, I mean, there's not just a whole lot in this movie. <laughs> it's not exactly deep in content. So that's really going to be about it. Uh, I, I don't care for the ending necessarily that much. That whole ambiguity thing, I don't, I don't care for that. If you're going to give me an ending, give me a damn ending. It's kind of the same thing as in the first one, where you feel like the movie doesn't really effectively take off into a certain point, and that being when Jenny and Paul return, like I said, from the bar, and then it just kind of pops off after that. Once that happens, I'm fully invested, because yeah, we get these kind of kills for the most part, but for me, it always culminates with Jenny's outsmarting of Jason. Like, that was always a scene I really enjoyed because that was the first time we ever, well, up until part four, we ever saw anybody trying to play against Jason maybe not having the intelligence that other slashers do. Right. Well, maybe that's something else that I could add is that the pacing. Because you're right, the movie doesn't really go until then. And you're three quarters of the way through the movie before that finally happens. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you did it again. Mm-hmm. I know. Take a shot. <laughs> uh-huh. But no, I, I agree. And I, I do like how she kind of took him on and outsmarted him and used her. Because they establish it very early in the film that she's a child psychologist. And she uses her knowledge against him. So. I just thought that was really cool. It is. And it's the only one where they do that. No, it's not. Is it um, not? No, because I'm also thinking about the final chapter where Tommy Jarvis transforms himself into younger Jason to kind of throw him off for a minute too long enough to be distracted and attacked. Okay. Yeah. You're talking about Corey Feldman. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. But it was just, I thought that scene was really cool and I thought she was very brave. I said, I, I can't say enough good things about her character. I know, Travis, you're not really sold on her, at least not in this film. But I thought she did great. She was one that I thought she just was the first badass of the series. Because then you go to part three where you have Chris Higgins, who's pretty fucking useless. Yeah, I don't. I, it's nothing against her personally or as an actress or anything like that. I think what it is is that as a whole, this is just not my favorite Friday the 13th movie. That's I think that's what it boils down to. It's too it's not out there enough quite for me. Like you don't get the sort of more extreme things. Uh, it, maybe if they'd had more more of an emphasis and less cutting on the uh, practical effects side, I could have gotten past Jason wearing a bag over his head. But I don't well, just overall they... the movie's kind of slow. I mean, there's a reason that I slept through it the first five times we tried to watch it. <laughs> I would say, I feel like maybe they utilized the sack over the head better in the remake. I hate to say that. Oh, I hate to say that. But yeah, he seemed, that baghead Jason seemed scarier than this. Okay, I know we just talked about Deliverance style Jason. We don't call each other names, but I'm kind of thinking about it right now. Did you just say in the remake? (laughs) You're going to call me a name? (laughs) I'm thinking about it. What? I don't know. <laughs> I just can't believe you said that. I know, I know. Like I said, I didn't have a problem with Jason in that film. It wasn't no. Jason I had a problem with. Derek Mears is fantastic in that film. Yes. Everything else is pretty crap. I don't know. This is one that I do enjoy when I put it on. There are things I absolutely adore about it. There's there's in-jokes in there. Like, for instance, they find Muffin's dead body in the woods, and then they automatically cut two hot dogs on the grill. Like, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. But was it Muffin? Was it really? <laughs> 
Okay, that's that's probably enough dog talk. <laughs> now we'll offend somebody if we keep talking about growing a Shih Tzu. Um, so I know we had talked about this before we started recording. That you know, are we going to go through and maybe have an episode where we rank all of these? So sort of preemptively, which one do you like better, the first one or the second one? The second one, without a doubt. You like this one better than Betsy Palmer? I do. Well, nothing against Betsy Palmer. She she's great. She, obviously, she's iconic. Oh god damn it. <laughs> But I thought you said we weren't going to say bad words to each other. <laughs> she hurt my feelings. Yeah, you did. And she hurt my skin. <laughs> Bruised my neck meat. Anyway, so you like this one better than the first one. <laughs> yes, I do. How unpopular is your opinion going to be? Uh, not very. Remember when we talked about this before, you had said that a lot of people didn't consider the first one to be their favorite film. Uh, that's, that is true. That's true. Um, and I don't know that any of the YouTubers that we kind of keep up with have said that the first one's their favorite, but I don't know that any of them have said the second one is either. No, 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 no. Like I said, it's usually part four, part six. I know a lot of people really like part three, including my my good friend Megan. Um, she she got so excited when I told her we were covering this, and and she and I can talk Friday the Thirteenth for a long time. But part three happens to be her. I believe it is her favorite entry in the series, um, and it is for a lot of people. It's just not me, and we'll go into that. We'll go into those reasons uh, why next week. But for now, no, There, I just felt like the filler that they had in the original was uneventful filler, you know? Like, there's a scene of, and as much as I could watch it over and over and over, it serves no purpose of Crazy Ralph just riding awkwardly off his bike, you know? <laughs> but this one, I, yes, there's still filler in it, but it's... Maybe the characters are more likable, that that filler doesn't feel as bad. I don't know. It's hard to describe. This one just feels like there's more going on in it. They're, the characters are more fleshed out. They have more things to do. You kind of find yourself getting a little bit more invested in these characters. I won't say to the level of the characters in part four, where you're going off on their little side quest and you're wondering what the hell's going on in these relationships, but I would say definitely there was more for them to do in this one. Yeah, so I think for me too, as it stands right now, I like this one better than part one. So I think we're gonna. I I do think that we need to do like a maybe we do a pillow talk episode where we can talk shit about it and just rank them all when we get finished. Yeah, but, I think I think we've told them that three times. <laughs> At this point, it's a threat. <laughs> I see. I see how you are. I see how you're gonna do me. But there's another chan. There's a channel out there. That if you really like Friday the 13th, there's a couple of guys out there that also really love Friday the 13th. Uh, it's Mike and Jay over We Watched a Movie. And you had a couple of episodes specifically that you wanted to shout out in this episode, right? Oh, absolutely. If anybody is a lover of the Friday the 13th uh, franchise, there's absolutely... I, I've said it probably more than once on this channel. The horror market is saturated as fuck. It just is. There's There's a lot to choose from. But I do believe that there are a few channels that stand head and shoulders above the rest. If Travis and I are just looking to get another perspective, maybe some opinions that we don't necessarily agree with, but we just want to hear what other people think, we typically go to the guys over at We Watched a Movie, and I'm absolutely going to plug two of their videos, and one of them is called Jason versus the Coronavirus, which is... <laughs> Basically, Jay playing the part of Mrs. Voorhees' severed head. <laughs> 
talking to Jason about coronavirus and it's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's a video I like to go back to repeatedly if I need a laugh. But one of the first videos I ever got Travis to watch was them their ranking of the Friday the 13th kills in this series. And Travis was just sitting there laughing like a fucking girl. Like... <laughs> I laughed till I couldn't breathe anymore. <laughs> because I don't think there has been more usage of the word taint in one okay, video. Okay. All right, hang on. I think we need to back up for a minute. So Mike and Jay are grown men, but they interact like a couple of 13-year-old boys. Yes. They say fuck a lot. They say, they say a lot of stuff. A lot. <laughs> they do skits and stuff. And it's just, it's funny to watch. I, I don't know. They, but you need, if you're going to go to their channel, you definitely need to go in with an open mind. <laughs> was that fair? Well, one of the things, and one of the ways, and I'll just go ahead and say it, one of the ways they've been a huge inspiration to the two of us is that more than anything, they're just themselves. They don't care who they offend. They don't care about trying to, you know, where everything is scripted and put together and almost feels like, am I watching a real person right now or am I watching someone out of the Matrix type of thing? It just feels very... Feels, feels very clean, whereas these guys, they just seem like the guys that you go have a beer with that live next door to you, you know, maybe you have to tell them to turn their music down on well, occasion. to be fair, they usually are drinking when they do their episodes. <laughs> but, but No, they, they absolutely don't pander to anyone. No. They And that's one of the things I really like about their channel is that this, these, they, and they will tell you, these are our opinions. You may agree with them, you may not, but they are our opinions and we're just going to say it. Yeah, and you just never know what obscure movie reference or weird sounds even you know are going to come out of their mouth. Is that I thought you and I spoke fluent movie quotes. We're not even close. Oh no, we don't touch them at all. It's something, it's on a whole different level. Yeah. I don't know if they even use normal conversational language. They just talk movie back and forth to each other and they understand what each other means. It's crazy. Yeah. And one of these days when I am no longer a student and a working woman, I have every intention on giving them all of my money. Like... No. <laughs> yes. They're great, but no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but yeah, those are a couple of great videos to check out. Just to get in the door, their skits are terrific. But yeah, definitely check out those two videos for sure. Jason versus the coronavirus. Top Friday the 13th kills you just and be prepared to laugh. It's kind of like watching live action South Park almost. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's, it's a conversation between two Kennys. That's what it is. <laughs> but it's great. So, I think that's about all we got for this week. So, you got anything before we go? Um no, just next week we're going to be tackling Friday the 13th part 3 in 3D. We're not watching it in 3D, are we? I might make you. I I'll go to sleep. <laughs> What's going to prevent you from going to sleep anyway? Nothing. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I will I will make it an effort to go to sleep sooner if you make me watch it in 3D. Anyway. All right, guys. We will definitely talk about that next week and keep continuing on in the franchise. But until then, what's your favorite Friday the 13th film? What's your favorite Friday the 13th kill? Who's your favorite Friday the 13th character? Who's your favorite Jason? Hit us up. Let us know. Until then, I've been Ashley. I'm Travis. And thank you for listening to Dead and Married. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, guys. Quick reminder to find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as SpookyMom83 and Travis on Twitter as TravisL80. And find our official page on Instagram and Twitter at Dead and Married. If you have any questions or suggestions for films or otherwise, feel free to email us at deadandmarried at yahoo.com. Later.